A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Well, now you saw... <laughs> are we recording now? <laughs> yes, we okay, are. Okay, well, welcome to the DNA Airwaves. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, nice to be here with you guys. We have a great guest for you today, but first of all, we have Anthony here. Say hello, Anthony. Hey, hey. We have Dariki Hola. in Hamilton. Yes. I'm Glad Matt, right. and we have the amazing Francesco Yates with us. What's going on? Nice. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm over here. I uh, just um, recalibrating from from being off tour and stuff like that. I was just on a uh, just on an opening slot with the Backstreet Boys. And, yeah, we're uh, gonna ask you about, about that. that. <laughs> the tour, yeah, the tour. I'm just coming down, readjusting to uh, being back on back on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Tour. Well, I can imagine. Um, must be crazy. So yeah, I mean, we have a bunch of questions about the tour, but since you started there. What's that process like since you're in the midst of it, like going from the tour life to back home? What, what Do you have well, like a set routine to get you back on track, back to normal? Well, that's always an adjustment because you, you're you're seeing everybody all the time to, yeah. uh, you know, just the same, the same four walls of your studio or whatever. And, you know, yeah. you're, you know, you're coming back. So, you know, I have a pretty good, uh, I have a pretty good support system. Um you know, with my family, yeah, uh, I got a good girl. I got a good girl beside me, and so that you know that also helps too. That helps. Absolutely, grounding, so. see that. Nice. You know, um, wow. I'm actually wondering about that tour. If you don't mind, I looked you up, <laughs> as we always do. And you looked me up, you, did you? It's normal. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, you were two or three when the Backstreet Boys uh, were. <laughs> super duper popular all over the world yeah yeah do you remember them from the og time when they were actually at the top of the charts or did you have to familiarize yourself with their music what what is it like to perform with legends that were legends basically when you were just a little kid maybe um Maybe in my periphery, in the back of my mind, like when I was a kid, maybe it somehow was in there. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you don't know yeah. how you remember stuff because you don't know what you're picking up on when you're a kid. For sure. But right. uh, no, it was it's, it's weird because they're icons like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they've they just the what they've influenced in the pop music thing is is mm-hmm. very tangible. You feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And just that Max Martin sound that was worked on with those guys, you know, you can feel right. it. I can, you can see the roots of a lot of things that are happening in music now, right? Good point. So, for sure, yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. What was your biggest takeaway from the tour? Like, was there anything that you're just like, in this tour specifically, that you may, might not have seen on, like, opening for... Because I know you opened for Headley before and Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm-hmm. So you've been around big pop stars, but was there anything different with the Backstreet Boys? Seeing how regimented they are is pretty is pretty key. And another thing I I, I thought was um, they're so dialed in with their team they don't even need to do sound checks. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, wow. that yeah. was definitely that was a first for me, for sure. They don't do sound checks. That's no. ballsy. Justin wow. Timberlake when I when I did the opening slot for Justin Timberlake he did show up to sound check. Maybe that was because there was a band, right? And okay. a lot of other things of all. But like those guys, they just hop on. They don't even do sound check. Wow. So I was like, "Wow, do they warm up?" I guess they do, probably in the dressing room to themselves. But like, I never even saw the warm up either. I've seen wow. AJ go on stage a couple times, just cold, and he just there, you know, he's able to kill it that way. Just go in. Wow, wow. that's amazing. Yeah. Season vet. Yeah. You ever see them singing "Happy Birthday" to someone in harmony? <laughs> no, I have not. 
That might be yeah, before not. your time. That was like a thing that they did, like every like Total Request Live and whatever other show That's they were true, on. Actually, you're right. They'd, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be someone's birthday, and they just harmonize like a five part thing. Um, that was like one of their special skills. Justin Timberlake too, actually. They also yeah, did within, that with NSYNC. Well, yeah, because he was with NSYNC. Yeah, it's absolutely true. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, how does the tour life feel from uh, from your perspective? So we've talked about a couple of the artists that you've been on tour with, but like just as far as you hitting the stage and like having that rush of adrenaline and everything else, what's uh, like? Can you paint a picture of what it looks like from your perspective on tour, getting ready for shows and things? The tour life is pretty. It's it's pretty exciting and also manic too. Yeah. Um, because you're going to extremes. There's a lot of extremes. You don't even realize it's happening to you when when it's happening. But um, right. I think uh, for me, you know, I actually, and it was even crazier because I didn't think I would be back doing it to this extreme way this soon because of the pandemic. Right, right. You know, right. Uh, in 2019, I was doing arena shows with Justin Timberlake and then the pandemic hit and that was two years of pajama living and then now <laughs> yeah. back into the arena sphere you know what I mean yeah yeah so what a difference so that yeah. was what it is well you know what Let, let's back up a bit because this it's our fault we were just swooning over artists that we grew up with um Justin Timberlake I know Dariki and I and I think Anthony would agree too but Dariki and I definitely have just like circle jerked over Justin Timberlake music <laughs> oh, in the no. past. Oh, okay. um, you might want to leave my name. I guess it's not a circle it's only two people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, let's back up and, and talk about how you got into this. Uh, so already in 2019, you were already doing arena tours. So mm -hmm. uh, take us back. How, how did this happen? How did this start? How did you build your notoriety? How did you build your voice? Um, I think with me... Uh, it started with um, I met a I met a vocal coach who introduced me to a manager and because I guess she saw in me Elaine is her name Elaine Overholt and because I guess she saw in me that I had like a lot I had a lot of determination um, I think it just pulled together people and you get you get a momentum going it kind of does all start with I know it sounds like the cliche thing but it kind of all does start with uh, your actual belief in yourself your right. determination, your will to win. Right. You can make things spiral upward if you do it hard enough. That's kind of how it happened with me. Is in momentum started happening because I was so I was very pushy with it, you know. Right. Huh. At what yeah. age? I was doing this, and I think now that I think of it, I think School of Rock had something to do with it too. That movie School of Rock hey. ignited, mm. just yeah. ignited something in me where I was like, I have to, I have to do this. Yeah, uh, and I saw that at eleven. So from about eleven till now, I've been doing this music thing. It's been a part, a huge part of my life. You know, in that early process, you've you've gotten to work with like legends. You're less than like, you know, ten, fifteen years in the game, and you've worked with like big, big stars. You've opened for big hits, about for sorry, big like pop stars, and you worked with iconic producers like Pharrell and Robin Hannibal. But what um like. When you sit back right now, like what, what do you want to do next with your like musical career? Like, is it uh, another tour? Do you want to release like a whole EP? Do you have like a set plan already in place for the next five years? I don't really know. I don't know if this is a hot topic or not, but I don't really know if I believe in EPs anymore. Okay. I don't think. I don't think people want. People really want them. Like, have you ever actually? like with any artist you have you ever actually gone man this ep right here this is my shit i bump this ep all the time or do you say i either bump this song or this album it's never an ep ep right. seems non mm. ep seems non-committal to me you know yeah i agree yeah. but it yeah. seems to I be put, the trend no i guess i th i and i think it's it's only the trend because um as an artist it's hard these days to keep on your vision you know, yeah. so it, it, yeah. it seems like maybe too much experimentation is not necessarily a good thing. Maybe Agreed, you, yeah. <laughs> artists kind of have to right. plant their feet in the sand and, and know it, wherever it is that, that, they, that they stand, right? Absolutely. And so I think when you have it in mind that you're going to do an album, it forces you to develop and grow as an artist in a way that, that these, these new formulas don't, you know? There's also a cost, obviously, associated with like, making an album. It means more right. songs and all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that maybe is 
is it, right? I think, yeah, that, well, to what Dariki was saying, EPs really were the way to go. And it, it kind of looked like the album was about to die like 10 years ago, um, mm -hmm. which um, it kind of was. And in a sense, there was a bit of a sigh of relief because a lot of albums, I would say more than half, would have at least three songs that you're like, skip, you know? Right. Um, and e EPs were also a great way um for independent musicians to to release more than just a single because the the single life uh, yeah. in both if both meanings of the word um is is difficult right it's always well, what's what's next what's next what's next yeah. um but now with i think Billie Eilish is kind of the most popular example of this people really can make really good professional music mm -hmm. at home yeah with mm -hmm just regular equipment and 10 years ago it was also possible but it was a little more complicated computers were mm -hmm. a little more glitchy now you can do it in an ipad and i mm -hmm. think that brought things back um maybe a mix and mastering engineer might be the last sort of vestige of a professional you need to 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 send your work to unless you sort of invest in that yourself but yeah it really does seem like it's interesting to hear that from you because i'm oh i was also in in, in Dariki's camp where it's like oh i think EPs are the way to go. Um, but yeah, but w what do you say to the idea that when it is a full album, often there are like vestigial songs that don't really need to be there? They arise because I have a very, I guess in the, in a little while, I, I've had a very different outlook on music than I used to. They arise because um, maybe a couple times the artist will stray from their formula. You know what I mean? Right, uh, yeah. I, I think this is how those throwaway type of songs happen um, is because an artist will work on something that catches a wave. Yeah. But I think the reason even maybe even that people stop having hits is not because Lady Luck's hand strayed elsewhere or because the fashion changed. It was because they stopped they didn't want to keep making the same song over and over again. And they knew as artists that they, they kind of had to, you know, once you get once you, mm. once you have a thing of your own, that's established that, that, it, that it's your thing. Yeah. People, people can either, uh, accept the diversity from you or they might, they just, they want more of it for the rest right. of the entirety of your career. So I've watched where other people have made, something their thing and then they try to go okay well now this is the real me yeah. and then mm. the public is like well wait a minute but no we've come to know this guy is the real you That's so this feels point. like something else so it's yeah. a hard, it's a difficult thing to navigate so i think when you see songs on the albums on these big albums that are throwaways it's because probably they're working with first of all i think they're working with too many people you know they don't need to be working with a million different songwriters and camps and yeah. and yeah. things like that no great work was ever made uh, with with that many people on it or right. no work that ever lasted. It was usually a dream team of people that made it uh, and they kept the circle very small because too many chefs in the kitchen spoils the broth. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's how these throwaway songs come about and that's why the artists don't have any or, or very little cohesion these days is because they got all these other people handling their stuff, you know? Well said. Wow, yeah. I think there's something that to that, sense, you know what yeah. I mean? How do you uh, stay ahead of that? Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure or, um, you know, suggestions and people that want to get involved and have their own input on how your career should go on the type of material that you should be producing. So how do you kind of manage that pressure and stay ahead? Well, it's, it's, I, I just like, I vet how serious people are, you know what I mean? Sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. And if they're on the same, if they have the same goals as you musically, you know what I mean? That's always really important is they, they got to be going the same place with you. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but what I will say is also I, it helps that I don't work with too many different types of producers either. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I produce most of it myself. Um, it's big. Yeah. And what does that involve for you? How would you describe your self-production? What what kind of things do you do that you do as a producer as opposed to as an artist? Well, I know that 
there is a certain thing that I do that I, it help and it helps me with creativity. There's a certain thing that I do where I apply uh, what I call some of the golden rules to each song that I do. Okay. Um, so that it exists. One of them is for sure. The, the the trade secrets. Uh, one of them is that it has to have a pretty prominent bass line because I noticed the songs that got the bouncy and moving bass lines. I like it. If the bass line is a hook in itself, uh, you you're started right away, which is like Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. The bass line was something that really really helped move that song along. I don't think I think the song goes away if it's not there. Mm, right. um, another one is have a musical riff part of a hook that is before any of the lyrics even start have a musical part of the hook whether it be a guitar or those little fluty things or whatever it could be something that is an ear candy thing before any lyrics or any singing even starts like you look at blinding lights it has the little so you're listening to it going oh this is something big is happening here something you know this something's happening in this song yeah 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 so right then there, before you even start, you're, you're, you're getting the person on your side. Mm. You know what I mean? And then whatever the chorus is, I make sure that the chorus and I make sure that the song has a catchy title to it. Oh. You know, there's too many throwaway titles these days. If you have a memorable song title and a chorus, and obviously it's, it's, it's easy to just say, you know, you make a memorable chorus, but make a chorus that if you can sing it back inebriated, you're on the right track. <laughs> if you can't That's recite it back when you're inebriated i think you're barking up the wrong tree because that was one thing i learned in both backstreet boys and and timberlake they all got these big songs but you see the girls in the audience they are they are simply not there <laughs> yeah but yeah. they still remember that so for <laughs> you to be inebriated point. and still remember that yeah. that is when you know you're doing it right that's awesome that's a great answer yeah there's actually um, in design, in the design world, like uh, yeah. user interface and stuff, uh, yeah. there's a saying, the user is drunk. Yeah. So everything that you design, you have to design so that a drunk person would be able to navigate through your website or yeah, that's through true. your product or whatever. So that's interesting that you took that yeah. approach with, with music. Um, I want to back up one more time and just ask, because you told us your opinion about albums but you said also it's either these days it's either albums or singles yeah what's your thought process with releasing singles well i think even then man i'm i'm the type of i'm the type of person where i guess with singles you have a little more leeway with style but i wouldn't do that you know i would i would pick i would pick a certain motif that someone is going to buy into you know, it's that's. I think that's why a lot of the artists they don't end up making it is they don't focus on the things that they think, they think they focus on things they think matter, but they don't focus on the things that that really do. And it's the small things. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, shit like if you've got completely different sets of artwork for your two singles, what what's re- like you know what i mean like you got completely different fonts completely there's no there's no overarching campaign there for Cohesion. someone to buy into so why yeah. would they do that the most they're going to do is buy into the one song mm. but then once the one song is done so are they so you don't really get anyone to believe in you like that you know wow yeah hmm. that's that's that's, that's, some, that's what i think thoughts. yeah those i mean that's what I think those are huge thoughts actually lots to consider uh probably for everybody at every level of the game is, are these lessons that you kind of have, maybe it's a combination, like things that you've picked up just over time, observation, or have you intentionally also spent time like just focusing on that side? I know a lot of artists focus on the music, of course, but you seem to have gone way beyond the music to even like the psychology behind, like you mentioned, the consistency of artwork and things like that. So, um, Well, I, yeah. I started asking myself questions about what I liked about um artists that I like versus ones that I didn't like. Mm. And I kind of worked backwards from there, you know, and I, I, I'm not claiming to know anything. I just think that this is just whatever I, this is whatever Fran thinks. Right. Um, (laughs) What I think is good about that is that I think at least I do know what I think, you know, if you're navigating this business with the uh, lost mentality, that's, that's where the mental illness part starts. And you start, that's Mm. what, that's Mm. where, 
with the with the artist they're frustrated because they do not have a process they're shooting in the dark and that makes you feel hopeless mm, right so that i would advise not to do that i would advise that even if your plan fails you had a thing to work on huh. it gives you guidance you know yeah yeah so what would you say for someone that is trying to start out in music like what should the first couple steps of their plan be? Because you seem to have a good understanding of who you are and where you want to go. How does someone figure out who they are? You know what I mean? Find out what your strengths are and uh, play to them. You know what I mean? Musically or uh, just as a personal? Well, artistically, I know that my... Like I break it, I guess I break it down kind of, that's part of me, I guess my Virgo crazy shit in my head is. Um, <laughs> you and me both, bro. I break it down, not in emotional things. I break it down, okay, like what are the things? Like I play guitar, Yeah. you know what I mean? And that's one of the focal things that you know that Fran plays guitar. Fran's gotcha. got a high falsetto. Right. Right? Right. Uh, and, I, and I emphasize the songs with the bass line and the tempo. It, it breaks down into two. I have songs that are like that. Yeah, that resemble sugar and some of the things that work, and then I have songs where it's completely stripped down and it's R and B, right? Right, and right. so those are my two, those are my two strongest worlds. And and I and but you do, there is no way of getting around this. You do have to experiment to find out what that is. Good point. Yeah. And then you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta dissect and take notes again. Like you do a show and you 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 do your first couple shows wherever it may be, and you go, what are the people responding to? Yeah. And then you find out your strengths and what also feels good for you. Right. You know? I think that's a, that's a good, uh, another good point huge, is what yeah. feels good to you. Cause that's also going to help you get on stage and feel more confident as well. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, speaking of strengths, um, I think, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me that, uh, part of finding your strengths is also being honest with yourself when it comes to your weaknesses. Yes. Um, do you seek those out? Do you note those? Or do you sort of just steer clear? How does that work when it comes to your own weaknesses? I find out what they are. And as a Virgo, I stay far, far away from it. <laughs> Even when Venus is in retrograde? <laughs> All the planets are in retrograde now, my friend. It's been a funny, it's been a funny one. It's been a funny one these past couple these past couple days and this little week or so. I don't know what's going on in the stars, but a lot of, a lot of craziness. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it really does seem like everything's going crazy. Yeah, people seem angrier. I've seen like quite a bit of road rage that wouldn't have gone that way had it not been twenty twenty two for for some reason. I have a unique theory about that, but. Please do. I think the I think the theory is is us millennials all thought we were going to be very famous and rich, mm-hmm. and as we're growing older and older, reality. we're being confronted with the reality that that's not going to happen. Right. And yeah, the past generations mm. didn't necessarily have this huge obsession with fame and fortune quite like ours did. Sure. Yeah. And so now that now now we're finding out that all millennials can't save the world. Right. Now we're seeing a lot of <laughs> angry people. You know what I mean? Because they yeah. had this idea that they were going to save the world. Right. And True. From the comfort of their own home, of course. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Not only save the world, but also I feel like our generation was practically the, the first full generation where almost everyone was told you should follow your dreams. You know what I mean? Because the previous generations were like, you, you need to... You, you need to work, you need to provide for your family, and, and that was sort of the main thing. And then if you find some time on the weekend to have a good time, that's fine. Um, but our generation, and the, you know, you, you see it in movies from when we grew up, and from, from school and everything, uh, to one degree or another, more so than previous generations, that the most important thing is, is doing what you love to do and follow your dreams and everything else will work out if you believe in yourself. When you, we can see that generation on like the voice in American Idol when they're told like, you're not good at this. And they go, but I put my heart and soul into it. Um, and they're very confused. And now what, they mention what's even it, they worse. Do, yeah. What's even worse is when they say, all my friends told me I was an awesome singer. Yeah. How do you like that? And they're yeah. also millennials. Yeah. yeah. And, and so interesting. What we have is the breakdown 
of of that i think i think we're starting to see that like i always say to myself what are my friends going to do when they're 40 and there ain't nothing wrong with being 40 but in their minds there's something wrong with being 40 really i remember i once had a girl tell me i was seeing a girl and she said to me you know i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna like accept being 30 i don't know if i'm gonna react to that well i'm like what are you talking about? Yeah. You have no choice but to accept it. Exactly. You're going to be. I mean, if, unless you try to join the 27 Club being prematurely, God forbid, Thanks, I would hope sir. that you wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, please um, don't. Yeah. Please but don't. Like, please don't. Yeah, the, yeah, no, right? <laughs> uh, I, I stay away from all white Bic lighters as a result. <laughs> um, uh, but Wait, can you guys explain that one to me? I'm uh, there's a theory that the 27 Club, all of them were found with white Bic lighters at the time of their oh. passing. Really? So no, so, so you keep. That. Do I have one in my pocket? Oh, I'm not 27. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed. I'm gonna live forever. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I, I see it a lot. I think that's where I, I'm seeing the where the chaos and the anger is coming from is because the letdown of the you're not going to do it is probably catastrophic. Because if you bank your whole life on it and it doesn't work, then that's that true. can be very heartbreaking to some. Absolutely, yeah. And. Do you think the Gen Z kids are have, were told different things, are expecting different things, or are we just not seeing the freak out yet because they're not approaching 30 yet? I'm very scared for the Gen Z generation. <laughs> because well, they so? have because they have what we uh, they have our problem on steroids. Mm. They were born into TikTok. We were not. Yeah. Mm. We just mm. embraced it. They were born wow. into it. Right, so what type of environment is that going to create for a person's psyche? Performative living. Scary thought. Mm. Basically, everything is yeah. based on performance, and your life is now brand management. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah it wow. really brand is. Brand management, wow. Wow, that's wow. a good one. So really now is. dating is brand management. <laughs> your 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 wow. grades is like everything about you becomes brand management. Yeah, there's wow. <laughs> they're being trained that everything that they say, <laughs> he's loving it. I know, being, he's like looking up, thinking yeah. about it. You're changing his life. I have because it is it is all brand management now. It's brilliant. It seems like everything that someone says now is a brand curated message. It's not yes, yes. Wow. what a, a human being thinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And not only that, there's the pressure of if you say something that's off brand now. Um, yeah. Demonization. Cancelled or people. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, everything's just out on display. And if everybody doesn't agree with it, even if it's not a crime, uh, yeah. you know, you get shunned for it. Well, uh, Which I in some cases is good. I had someone say to me too, she, they're like, I don't know if you should like wear an orange shirt. It's not on brand for Fran. And I'm like, Whoa. You see what I'm saying? What? Like, yeah. you're now reducing this yeah. down to wow. a brand. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, really, what is that training the person to do? It's training them to think like that, right? So that's why I have I have my concerns. I I think they're the generation. They got all the potential in the world, but they don't. They they're they're putting it towards different things. And TikTok can be used yep. for a great thing. I got nothing against TikTok. Right. It's course, just yeah. you know how you use it. <laughs> How do you balance that? How do you balance right. being born into something like that, you know? Yeah. That's what I would say. Something that's designed to, you know, keep you distracted and confused. And then I turn it back to music. It's like every interview an artist does now, they have to have their brand curated way of answering the question now. Yeah. So you're not really having a conversation. You're it's everything's a PR movement, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly well, it. This is a conversation Even in your off hours. This, this is a good one. Yeah, uh. <laughs> Anthony's like usually our conversations are shit, but now that no, friends, no, you're, just as an artist, <laughs> you're you're giving us a lot of things to think about. Some things I hadn't even considered. Is brand yeah. a bad word now? Is it has it joined the list of? It's, it's crazy. Is this like has it been taken over and hijacked and put into the wrong hands? I didn't realize that this was. I mean, I see. No, it I just think we're prioritizing the wrong things. I think that's it. Yeah. Well, if yeah, you think about it, brand literally comes from machining. You brand something as you right. create a product, and then mm -hmm. you ship it off so people recognize your brand and go, I want to buy that again. Yeah. Right. And now yeah. we're applying that to how we socialize and how we live as if we're all products. And children, yeah, which is the scary part. 
Yeah. yeah, and you and we we all see how kids. Speaking of the Gen Z thing that you're saying, how when you're like, let's take a picture, and there's like whatever your five year old niece or something, and he or she goes like, they do the pose, and it's like, just be a kid. Yeah. When can <laughs> well, you that, just yeah. be a kid? Right. Well, it's not only that, and if they don't like it, they'll make you take it again. Right. Because they right. know that's, that's how important it is to them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's a good yeah. point too. The retakes. Right? So, so it's like, but who's watching? Like you're a right. seven-year-old kid. Like who, who, who cares that your smile angle wasn't the best? <laughs> yeah. Let me add to that. Even if you're an adult, who's watching? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's terrifying, really. Have you noticed? Because you've played arena. Well, two two-parter. First of all, you have in three-parter. You have in-ear monitors, correct? <laughs> I do. When you're uh, when you're when you're up uh, uh, in, doing an arena show. Um, I do. Can you hear the audience with your in-ears in? Hardly. Hardly. Okay. So have you noticed a visual, if you can't hear them, have you seen a difference in how fans are pre-2020 and post-2020 in arenas? Um, hmm. No, not really. It looks like they are. Um, they did exactly what I had assumed they might do. Uh, they went back to uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll just even more. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there right? is so even more. Okay, they're 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 well because they're happy to be there, right? Right. Because yeah. right. Initially, initially it was taken away from them, and so what I've seen now is the audience is like, I'm just happy to be here and like in a crowd with people yeah, yeah. and living my best life, and I'm like, eh, they really broke y'all, didn't they? But. Uh, <laughs> And I feel bad because it's not something that it, 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 with that low with those lockdowns, it's not something any human being should have ever been put through. I don't think. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, but, it'd be interesting how we look yeah. back on how we handled the situation, but you know, this isn't a political I mean, but, podcast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but no, uh, I've I'm happy though at the same time to see uh, the positivity of all of it as well because sure. you can see people they you know and prior to 2019 you were seeing a lot of this like oh like socializing like who needs that like we don't need people we're all self-contained automatons yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like nah man we need each other man it's very clear that we need each other that's uh, yeah you know so that's what it shows me and it shows me music can do that right absolutely so it's a powerful vehicle it really really is i don't think we've talked about your work ethic per se i know you've kind of described it in in answering some of the other questions but um i guess i'm asking about your process as well your work process uh more than your work ethic. i think your ethic is probably pretty obvious just through talking to you but what's kind of your work process as far as when you sit down with an idea to formulate a song or to put together like your next body of work um mm. I think of, I think of those elements that I I was saying, where I think of if I at least have, and sometimes it doesn't have everything, right? You go yeah. naturally with it, but you th keep in mind it would be nice if this had a riff. It would be nice if this had a bass part. It would be nice if it had a nice title, and then you throw a little bit of your personal experience in there too. You know, if you, if you you have something to draw on. And you put that magpie together and it's and it turns into either an awful science experiment or something beautiful. Right. There. And that's kind of how I do it every time. When you say, you've said that a couple of times now, chorus and then title. Are you referring to having the last line of the chorus be the title of your song kind of thing? That can be it, yeah. Yeah, that, and, and it, it usually helps when part of the line of the chorus is in your is is in the title as well um just a catchy thing you know what i mean yeah um like you hear a song like you again you hear a song like billy jean or uptown funk like what is an uptown funk you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah where if you just name the song what is it not well that's what i mean well it's like whereas if you just named <laughs> if you just named a song i love you it's like eh, i'm not exactly curious about that artist you know right point there. Yeah. true so it's like putting together that is is that's part of the creative process, you know. And when do you yeah. feel like you've kind of like 
fix that like that song is done when when do you feel good about a song and you're you're ready to leave it alone and move on to the next one um when the main idea is actualized you know what i mean when i I set out to achieve like it's like okay this is accomplishing what it's supposed to and i guess what it's supposed to is like a transfer of emotion do you even believe yourself when when you when you've done that right Right, it's all about do you do you believe yourself? I think that's when it's done, right? No, you know, if you're sense. sitting there going, eh, I'm faking the funk, then you got to work, then you got to work on it a little more, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. That you totally know. makes sense. And do you... Oh, sorry. Sorry, ahead, Matt. No, no, please. No, mine was just a fluffy uh, pop question about his guitar influences, because I know your latest single was um, talking about the legendary Jimi Hendrix, but are there any more modern guitarist that you kind of really also not say like admire but i guess you could say admire yeah admire is probably the best word there's a guy named tim henson i believe his name okay. is and uh, he's like a very progressive guitar player he's doing new stuff the, he, you know, the sounds he's creating are, are very new you know tim I think he's henson? in a progressive tim henson i believe his name is yeah okay uh, Check him out. he's good brian may from queen is really okay. good yeah Nuno Bentoncourt, very good. Ingve Malmsteen, probably the best of of all, you know. Yeah. Um, I like all those guys. The '80s guys had it really good, man. They had <laughs> it really good. Like they're they're just their capabilities alone, right? Right. Yeah. Fun fact about Brian May. I'm sure it's not a fun fact for you. You probably already know this, but Brian May and his dad made his guitar. Yes. And that was his only guitar. He just made this guitar, and that was the guitar that he played with wow. Queen. Yeah. That's it. That was the it's only kind of guitar. Other guitars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other guitars have multiple guitars, and you know, yeah, people yeah, go yeah. And, and they have their guitar techs. He just had the one that he made, and that was it. And now wow. you can buy a Brian May guitar based on, on that. But that's pretty red, crazy, right? Red, crazy. Kind of red yeah, special, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. kind of goes to show you that all this gear obsession. Uh, is a little silly sometimes and i have to remind myself of that as well i'm not a big gearhead but still every now and then i'm like mm, maybe that's why i'm not getting the the music that i want to make and it, no it's it's inside not it's outside enough. except for maybe yeah. a good laptop you know well yeah. there is a couple things that i remember asking a few guitar techs of van of uh like van halen and a couple of people because i met some of them on the road right yeah. Uh, and they're the weirdest things to achieve certain things. Uh, apparently, lighter string gauge makes your guitar sound bigger. Interesting. Lighter, lighter yeah. string I've always gauge. heard the opposite, but yeah, I believe no. those guys. That's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. big misconception is that the thicker your strings, the bigger your guitar will sound. No. Uh, I heard that when it was with Van Halen or Malmsteen or all these guys, sometimes they'll use sevens and eights. I know Malmsteen does. That's yeah. Sort of, he's like famous for that. And so... A lighter string gauge is one thing and um another theory is that they you know they get like they get the amp to cook really hot and they turn everything like they they just make it on 10 and that's how it gets the fiery sound but apparently it's that's actually not the case it's the opposite yeah it's the opposite yeah and they just boost the volume of the lower thing in the pa or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I like there was all these little things that i was that i was picking up Right. And, you know, there's also different schools of thought where it's like, you know, just guitar and amp, man. It's like, uh, really? <laughs> and, and it's like, you plug the guitar into the amp with just a guitar and amp, dial your effects and blow me away. It's like, no, I don't think so. You yeah. Know, um, to those who are who are wondering, uh, guitar uh, string gauge is the thickness of the string. Mm-hmm. And thicker strings take a little more push to actually get the note out. And um, the amp thing is... I had to learn that the the hard way, but for people at home wondering if if anybody's been looking for a heavy guitar sound and they were uh like Francesco said getting the opposite when they're when they crank their guitars, it's because the more you distort something, the more harmonics extra notes let's call them are generated and if you have too many notes at the same time too many frequencies you end up getting basically becoming a white noise machine right that's right. what white noise is and that's why we like the sound of the oceans because it's all the frequencies that we can hear at the same time right 
right? Yeah. And when you do that with your guitar, it's loud, but it ends up just being white noise. When you turn it down a little bit, you actually start hearing the movement and the thickness of the strings and everything else. So it is a little bit counterintuitive where actually less heavy ends up being a little bit heavier. Yeah. There you go. It's just crazy some of the things some of the things you pick up on and how to get single coil hum out of a guitar. The trick is is use mu metal on the pickups. What's mu, mu metal? metal? What's that? What's that? Yeah, yeah, it's a certain yeah, type of that. thin metal sheet of if you have a single coil guitar it has the hum, right? Mm, and so yes, some people try exactly. and do the other things but there's there's a way to do it where if you put mu metal on the pickups that is the only actual thing where you retain the tone of a Fender or something. I'm assuming it's going to be a Fender in, in my mind. Like if a Fender has a single coil thing, you put the Mew Metal on it in the pickups where, you know, the other foil, I guess, or whatever would be in it, it stops the single coil. Hey, so Mario, you got to some Mew metal? those at home wondering, sorry? I was asking if you have some Mew Metal. We're going to have to try that one. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> you metal. Yeah, to those at home wondering what what, what we're talking about, um, guitars originally had pickups. Uh, basically, sort of think of like a microphone that picks up magnetic movement, so the string moving, and they had a single coil on them, so they sounded a certain way. Um, but they also picked up uh, radio and yeah. remnants of the Big Bang, even um, all, just. <laughs> noises like that and then right. the humbucker was invented which is two coils that are out of phase from each other so they cancel out the noise however yeah. they sound different they sound um more like black sabbath than like the red hot chili peppers um yeah. so the challenge is to retain the single coil sound without picking up a bunch of noise so that's yeah. cool that's really interesting. I never knew about that. For the the trick in the studio is you just have the guitarist like move around until they yeah. stop picking up, <laughs> and then it's like freeze, don't move. This is where you play now. Um, yeah, but no, that's right. not really sustainable live. So okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I, I I wasn't even supposed to give that secret away because the guy who told me is like I got that from a guitar tech Pete Cornish himself, and that's oh. like the big secret. So oh. maybe I give it away, but I also oh. don't care. You know, <laughs> less. <laughs> Less single now. coil hum for everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sharing is caring. Yeah, man. Never trust Canadians. That's what guitar tricks <laughs> just learned. <laughs> Never trust Canadians. <laughs> Can I ask you about uh, Timberland? I, I, I understand that um, opening for someone is, uh, you know, it's not... It's not necessarily like you you get to hang out with these people all the time. I, I get that they're busy and you're busy and all that, but I'm curious about Justin Timberlake. I got to work. I wouldn't say work with him. I got to work in the same build room as him. Yeah. Um, I was an extra in a movie, and he was playing a goalie. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, love the, lo the, the love guru, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His part was amazing. Um, and what I took away from, I mean. First of all, it was an incredible experience because he was in the goalie position and I was a fan, quote unquote, in the movie and there was glass between us. Yeah. Um, so I put my headphones in. This is before they were wireless, children. Um, so I had to like hide it under my shirt because you're not supposed to have headphones if you're a, a fan watching a game. And I put on Future Sex Love Sounds and I looked at him. I was looking at Justin Timberlake and listening to my favorite album by him. And that was a trip. But I love it. another thing that I... Real, and he looked at, back at me and he's like, why are you drooling? Um, but another thing wow. was that I noticed that even though the scenes with him on the ice are like, I don't know, 40 seconds in total, it was a couple of months of shooting. And he was often on set and he was always funny with everybody. Yes. With the extras, with the PAs, with the food people. He just never turned it off. He was like, and that's why he's on SNL and stuff because he's hilarious. Was he like that uh, with you, or is it different when he's on tour and he's at work doing the thing that he does? No, he was very, he was very different with me. Um, he was just uh, almost like a, like he was just, you know, he just kind of kept to himself, and we would talk about small things, little things, and he just kind of kept it moving, doing and was doing his thing. He was always nice to me, you know. He was always very nice to me. He was telling me stories about being in James Brown's rehearsal. 
and wow. and how for about an hour and a half, James Brown kept saying to uh, the bass player, "You're playing the boom. I need you to play the doom." <laughs> and they had to, <laughs> and they had to figure, and they had to figure out what the, the difference between the boom and the doom is. And he kept going on it. He's like, I need, you're playing the boom. I need you to play the doom. Oh, that's man. Funny. And it was just like, <laughs> that's funny. It's like, you can't, you can't make Michael this Jackson stuff up. Michael Jackson was like that too. In yeah. This Is It, if people at home, if you haven't seen This Is It, check it out. It's amazing. And it's footage of a rehearsal shortly before he died, unfortunately. But there's a shot in there where he approaches the keyboardist and he's like, I need you to make this bask in the moonlight. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, okay, <laughs> I understand. So it's funny to see that these two heavyweights of performance, not just music, uh, both had that approach where they just sort of used onomatopoeias to describe what they wanted to say. Yeah. Well, also, I think that part of that is methodical too. Like, they know whatever it is, especially mm. Michael Jackson. After reading about Michael Jackson, you know, it's like, I, I know what Michael Jackson's process was. And I'm going to sound terrible for saying this, but like, based on the stories that Pharrell had told me about Michael Jackson and how methodical he was mm. about everything that he did, to me, when I hear that story, that is Michael trying to deliberately push you to find the answer on your own. Oh. Like, like you, like Baskin, like that doesn't mean anything. Like what the hell is that? You know what I mean? But if you find it out, you'll try harder and harder and harder. And then maybe you might get something to where it actually sounds. So true. Musically how he wants it to. Yeah. Master teacher. It's a great way of thinking about it. I never thought about that strategic mind trick that he would play, but these are Jedi masters. So I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought they're just being weird and lazy, or not lazy, but just like you get, you know what I mean. Yeah, right? I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. That's that makes a lot more sense. They're geniuses, like, and they want you to get there yourself. Right. Yeah, he said that um, with Michael, he was never just like slouching like this. He would never just chill, like human beings would. Everything was like, it's about this, and like you gotta let it. So everything was a thing. Everything was put together. He would never just stand. He would do. He would never just stand still like this there was a lot of back and forth and like stepping right. in that way so every everything with him was a performance i think everything was a performance and he knew how much that affected other people you know yeah, yeah absolutely that's a whole other can of worms to talk about working with pharrell and yeah um especially as a producer i mean it, it blew my mind when he did the lead vocals for daft punk um, yeah. that's just the kind of well-rounded person he is. Um, but what's, you can see Dariki's like licking his lips. He wants to know what is it like to work with Pharrell? He, that guy's a space cadet, man. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> He's an actual space cadet. Like he'll, he'll look and like, you'll ask him like, what's your, what's your favorite album? And then he'll look and he'll go for about a minute and a half and then tell you the answer. I'm like, wow, you're committed. Wow. You're committed. I'm curious what his favorite album of all time is. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, I, uh, I, I would just like, there. it would be one of those, but no, he was, you didn't take notes. He's, I know that's one thing I, I wish. He's one of those guys that, like you said, when he'll do lead vocals on something, he throws himself into music. It's like, he's right. like, Oh, I don't know. I'll play a keyboard bass and let's just, let's just go with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if it's the, bass even if it's like the cue bass sound of a bass you know what i mean that's no good mm -hmm. his his confidence in it and how he plays it will make it be like how does this have a real groove of a bass and it's like like a midi bass like a bad midi bass too yeah, yeah, yeah. wow he has he has the confidence where he can pull stuff like that off and that kind of played into his production so what that taught me was um with your sound choices, sometimes you'll surprise yourself. You can get ear candy out of things that may even sound crummy, but because you played it with the confidence, it changes it, you know? Yeah, no, totally makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah, so him. many more Pharrell questions, but, I mean, we could go on and on. I know you got to get out of here shortly, and we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but maybe one day we can get some more uh, 
Pharrell bits out of you. All I'll say is a good dude. As well as more of your wisdom, too, because you've course, dropped yeah, some that, serious knowledge. That was knowledge what steered this direction yeah. was the conversation that we started on just kind of took us away from Pharrell and some of the cool stars you got to work with and kind of just let it flow into a brilliant conversation. So thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I hope yeah. I wasn't going too nuts. I mean. No, we love it. The <laughs> yeah. nuttier the better. No, it was dope, man. <laughs> One might argue that you are far cooler than some of the cool stars you've worked with. So thank you for uh, hey, there you go. joining oh, man. us. Oh man, thank you very much. It was a great chat. We hope to have you back sometime because we'd love to absolutely follow up on your uh, your career progress and the cool things you have going on. But in the meantime, absolutely. could you let uh, maybe just give a shout out to your socials, let people know where they can find you, and also any new music that you have out. You know how to do this. Thing. You can know. you can find me Neon Blonde. My album is coming out next year. Nice. My first debut album. Uh, you can find me everywhere at uh, F R A N C E S C O Y A T E S. Everything at the handle Francesco Yates. I'm there. Nice Love and it. simple brand management. Sim management. Away those orange teas. Thanks so Reality much. Reality management. Yeah. I, know, I, know. I love it. Thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome conversation. Matt, Tariki, Anthony, man. thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank really you. appreciate thank it. You. Take care, guys. Till next time. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.